Welcome to the Millenniology Podcast, where we talk about faith and social issues to the eyes of millennials. I'm your host, Nick Mayer, and I don't want us to have this long intro. This is a good episode. It's a great episode. We have Laura Pruno on, and let's just let's just get into it. All right, so right now we have Laura Pruno. That I believe is that how you pronounce it, Pruno. Very good. Okay. Yes. I had to make sure. I re-listened to a couple podcasts of Not Your Pastor's Podcast, so I wanted to make sure that I had it right, and then I got nervous as soon as I was about to say your name that I may have had it wrong. So, okay. Cool. Awesome. Um, Well, before we start to get anything, I'd like to um, do like a little lightning round that's real quick, a couple just... Quick questions, kind of get to know you, and then uh, we'll jump into things. Is that cool? Fantastic. All right. So here we go. First question, favorite type of ice cream? Favorite type of ice cream? Pistachio. Okay. I never heard that one before. Uh, Creamy peanut butter or crunchy peanut butter? Might or might not be true, too. (laughs) Creamy peanut butter or crunchy peanut butter? Crunchy peanut butter. Crunchy? Okay. Uh, would you rather, oh God. here we go, would you rather be able to fly or would you rather be super strong? I would rather be able to fly. Be able to fly. What's the last show that you watched? Um, NYPD Blue. Last book that you read? If you feel too much. I'm reading it now, actually. You're reading it now. And the yep. final question, and this relates to, what is your favorite book that you've ever read? <laughs> I don't know. You don't know. I could, t- I could tell you the good Christian answer and say it's the Bible. Oh, No, I really don't know. I don't have a favorite book. Be honest. Do you, would you rather read fiction or nonfiction? Probably fiction. Really? Okay. See, I'm not a, I'm not a fiction. It depends. Fan again. again, on the content. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Well, that, yeah, that's all I got for right now. So maybe in the future, if we do an episode again, we can spice things up a little bit and do some different ones. So. <laughs> yay. Um, yeah. Maybe yay. <laughs> so. Right now we have Laura Pruno on, and um, I first listened to her when she did a pulpit series on Not Your Pastor's podcast. If you haven't listened to their podcast, do it. It's awesome. They do some great stuff. It's one of my favorite podcasts. Your story, I was at work, and I had to go find a little area by myself because it, I mean, it's... It's an emotional roller coaster through throughout the twelve minutes that you know that you talked, and then listening to the episode of, you know where you just you went on and you had conversation with with the Not Your Pastors podcast, and that was another one of those where it was like, all right, time to go home from work because I <laughs> have an emotional wreck and stuff like that. Um, I know this is a type of question that. You know, it, it's very broad, but um, could you talk about and let the people know um, about the journey you've been on in the last years with your daughter, Janet? Sure. Um, to kind of rewind a little bit, in a, you know, August of, by August, I mean April, in April of 2013, my daughter Janet was diagnosed at four years old with a uh, one-of-a-kind brain cancer. It was, it's a kind yet to have a name because it's still one of a kind in the entire world. Um, she went through chemo and radiation and fought cancer, this brain cancer, and relapsed, you know, once or twice for three years. And then in September of 2015, we heard those final words, um, you know, there's nothing more we can do. And the medical treatment was complete and we her only chance at survival was through a miracle. And while she did get her miracle, it was not the side of heaven. She passed away on 
the day before Valentine's Day last year, so February 13th of 2016. That is the very short, in a nutshell, abbreviated version of my daughter's um, journey with uh, childhood cancer that she has been on, or had been on for those three years. Yeah, I mean, in, so she seven years old, correct? Yes, okay. she was seven years old when she passed away. Okay. So I remember you saying, like, the early days of when you started finding things out. You said this, and it, God is still God. God is still good. And no matter what, I'm already, I'm hearing it back, and I'm already trying to keep it together. And he is still in control. Can you talk about how your relationship with God changed throughout your daughter's battle with cancer and, and how did hope come into play during this time that had been something that had been a struggle for sure keeping hope well hope is something that i learned also very early um hope is real regardless of circumstance and that i had to kind of drill in my head time and time again because as my daughter um went, had brain surgery and then you know chemo and all this, and then she said, they said, hey, there's no evidence of the disease, you know. Um, she was what the world would see as cancer-free for 88 days before that relapse, and then um, hope, though, in answer to that question, hope is something that is sometimes hard to come by, sometimes hard to understand, but it is always there, and that's what I kind of had to ta- teach myself and had to lean on because hope is something that is there in the face when you face, you know, all odds. You know, any anything that you hope. We never give up hope. Even when they told us that there's no more options and that to enjoy the time we had left with her, there was still hope. And hope didn't always mean the same thing. Hope changed. <laughs> Hope grew. Hope grew with us as we, you know, walked the journey. Mm-hmm. And in answer to the question about um, how my relationship with God changed throughout her battle with cancer, it was both, if I'm being honest, it was both shaken and strengthened, all in one, all at different times. <laughs> um, my faith was never shaken to a point where I walked away, and I never would. Um, but the issue with it was, is I couldn't understand, um, number one, why an innocent child, why so many innocent children, you know, fight cancer in these giant battles. But throughout her battle, I learned so much about hope and prayer. And prayer for me was just, it was talking to God. It's what it is for anyone. It's just one of those things that I prayed a lot. I talked to God a lot. I said, you know, God, I don't understand this. I don't understand why she's fighting this battle. I don't understand why we're walking alongside her as she's fighting literally for her life. But you do. And I had to fall back on, like you said, those three things that God is still God, that he's still good, and that he's still in control. And time and time again throughout her journey, I had to decide if I actually believed that. I'm like, okay, if I ever did, it's still true because God is constant. He's the one thing that does not change. And so throughout her battle with cancer, I would say more than not, my faith was strengthened. And as she um, neared her final days and then as she passed away and then just following that, My faith remained, and I still knew that God was good. I still knew that he was in control. I just didn't understand so much. Mm -hmm. I was never really mad at God in the way that you would think in a traditional sense that, oh, I'm mad at God because he took my daughter. I never saw it as God taking my daughter. But what I did learn and kind of figure out about myself and my emotions was I was hurt. I was hurt that... This God who could have saved her, that couldn't perform miracles, because we all know he can, didn't. 
that's what got me for the longest time. And it still bothers me, I'm not going to lie. It's one of those things that he, um, I was hurt that he, you know, didn't lift a finger and heal my child. But then I turn around and go back to the idea that God is still good. He's still God and he's still in control. And it doesn't always make sense and I don't always understand it and I sure as heck don't always like it. But I can tell you that those things are still true. I hear this a lot with, um, I actually just recently just heard this. um, I don't know what to do or say when a friend or family member they know or loses someone close to them. So I understand that, I I believe you said that you had struggles with this, with people wanting to be committed and then sort of kind of drifting off. Could you explain that a little bit and then kind of give your do's and don'ts um, for (laughs) people in these situations? One thing to address that kind of sentiment of I don't know what to say or do when someone has a family member that passes away. Even if you've had a family member who's passed away as well, you don't know what that person is going through. There's not going to be the magic thing to say. I think that's what everyone kind of gets wrong is they want to say the perfect thing or they want to say the right thing or they just don't want to say the wrong thing. And so a lot of times people say nothing. And... That is, I guess it's kind of getting into the do's and don'ts, but it's one of those things that don't, don't say nothing. Don't just avoid the situation because you don't know what to do. Because often just saying, hey, I'm here for you, I care, ask if there's anything they need. Generally, they, mm-hmm. they won't have <laughs> wits about them to come up with anything that they need other than to just breathe, just to be, yeah. just to focus on surviving themselves at this point. But um, I think the thing that um, you kind of mentioned a little bit and that that hurt a lot was the people who surrounded us towards the end of my daughter's journey, this side of heaven. When she was still alive, they're here. They were every moment. They're like, if you need anything, give us a call, day or night. And then she passed away, and they up and vanished. And, I mean, within days, sometimes a week or two, but it was one of those... I understand that my daughter died, so your life goes back to normal. Mine never will, you know, that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. And it was one of those things that I've reached out to some of those, a couple of those people who, you know, you welcome in culture and family, and then they're just gone. You're like, what the heck just happened, you know? And I've tried to, you know, connect with them again. And it just, that relationship is not done as far as friendship goes, but, it's not what it once was, you know, sort of thing. And that hurt for a long time as well. But then I still, see, I I try and find the positives in everything. But what I go back to is recognizing that the, the part they played in our journey, the time that they did spend in my life is no less valuable because they're no longer fulfilling that role, you know. I don't know what I would have done without them during those seasons, and I wish I didn't have to figure out what I'd do without them now. <laughs> yeah. But um, that just kind of answers that part of the question. So, yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing when I was just talking about, you know, do's and don'ts is, and it just kind of ties all this in together, is say what you mean and mean what you say, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. People often do that, and then they kind of back off, like you said, because they don't know what to say or do. <laughs> But doing nothing hurts worse than saying the potential wrong thing. So I know for like me, with dealing with people on a daily basis, um, these sort of things come up. And I know I struggle because I never, I mean, I've had a a grandmother pass away, um, but I haven't had anyone that has had like a significant impact on my life pass away. So, and not too many of 
my close friends or anything like that have anyone pass away either. And so I've I never really had that experience until I started getting into ministry. And once I got into ministry, it seemed like it was happening all the time. And it, it, it was one of those, I didn't know what to do and I didn't know what to say. And so most of the time I did what you say not to do. And I just didn't say a word. Talking to you, I, I, I'm realizing, listening to you speak and stuff like that is, I've realized that that is the complete opposite of what anyone should do in any sort of situation. Is you just say, "Hey, I'm here for you." That should be, you know, that's probably what people want to hear, just to know that someone's at least there and they care before and then after. I think one of the most significant conversations I had, and it sticks with me to this day, um, is someone said, you know, I can't imagine what you're going through, and frankly, I don't want to try, but but if you allow me, I'll just sit with you in this pain. And for me, it was just someone willing to be present and know that they can't fix the pain they can't make it go away mm-hmm. but to just offer the hand of friendship yeah. that made such a difference at that at that point and it still does when people do that so yeah <laughs> so i like to bring it back to like this month is you mentioned this to me is childhood cancer awareness month and then um, we also have it's pretty much mental health month and suicide prevention. You've mentioned that uh, there, you know, you struggle with mental health. Um, how how has this situation affected that um, you know, the mental state? And then, what are ways that you have you have done some self care? to try to live as positive a life as you can? Well, the question I have to best answer you is, what um, are you talking about when you say, how has this, are you talking about my daughter's you know journey and all that affected my mental health? Are you talking about this specific month? What are we asking? Sorry. I'm talking... I, I guess we can we can we'll start with uh, let's talk about what's what's gone on with like family and stuff like that. So your daughter and I know you you you've mentioned to me um, you know other family members and stuff like that that you know things have gone on. We I know an individual right now and and they're struggling. I don't put anything against them. They're struggling really hard with a passing of a family member, and I don't. I don't know how people or like yourself can get over that. Well, to be honest, there isn't any getting over it. Mm-hmm. There is learning how to carry the weight of it, essentially. You know, there is a giant Janet-sized hole in my heart. There is nothing else in the world that can fill that hole. Um... But, and you don't get over that, Mm -hmm. but what you do is you learn how to walk every day and carry it. You learn how to cope and have hope again in just different ways and different things, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, But there really isn't getting over it. I mean, I do struggle and answer kind of back to the circling back around to mental health. I do have mental health you know, struggles and Mm -hmm. diagnosis and all that sort of stuff. And it's one of those things that fighting cancer alongside my child and then watching her pass away as I held her, it was not, it certainly didn't help my, (laughs) my mental health, Mm -hmm. but it did help me get real with the idea that I needed help in the way that I needed to not be alone in the struggles. And to invite other people in, even to the painful parts of who I am, it's it's been where any semblance of healing happens. 
so what what are the, what were the steps that you took to start i guess tackling the idea of opening up and 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 letting other people in well first of all i had to be honest with myself mm-hmm. and that was step 1 is just kind of <laughs> doing an inventory of my own emotions and thoughts and feelings and all that but Throughout my daughter's fight with cancer, I actually went to see a counselor, therapist, whatever you want to call them, and I was in counseling throughout the journey. So when she passed away, yeah, it took on a new level of pain, but it was still something I I learned to open up about. And I learned the value in connecting with people, and sometimes people don't aren't just the, you know, people you can see right in front of you. Sometimes it is like you online, like Mm -hmm. the Not Your Pastors, you know, podcast, all that. It's people, connecting with people outside of the four walls of my house. It's basically getting outside of myself and learning to to just know that it's okay to not be okay and it's okay to ask for help. And sometimes asking for help is, I got to go see my counselor or I need Mm -hmm. to call and, you know, talk to my pastor, which I'm not doing right now because that's another story. <laughs> that's okay. Um, no, I just haven't been at church in a few months, and that all kind of stems back to this whole conversation, and it's really bothering me right now, too. But it's one of those things that it's all in how you act and react to kind of everything thrown in your face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's, I know for myself, um, that, that the opening up thing is extremely hard to do. Uh, I struggled yeah. with it and it was to the point where, you know, it, when, when I was in college, it was, it was bad. I was starting to believe all these negative things that are going on in my life, and I didn't want to be around anymore. Um, mm-hmm. And then I waited for years and years, and it wasn't until almost a year ago where I decided, and that was like 2012, and it wasn't until last year I decided I'm going to go to counseling because it's about that time. <laughs> it's about that time. Um, so yeah. it needed to happen. But that was the hardest thing was they go in and they ask all these questions. I'm just like, come on, like, can we just get done with this? And but it, it it's been probably one of the most important things I've ever done in my life. If not, I, I don't know if I'd be working at the church still. Um, I don't know if I'd have my own place. My dog might not be alive. You know, I know this sounds awful, but like, there's times he just gets on my nerves. So I know you wanted to talk a little bit about. Showing awareness to uh, childhood cancer. First off, I didn't even know that was that was even a a thing. That that there's a month yeah. dedicated to that, and that's just. Well, that's, then I'll I'll hit you up again in May when it's Brain Cancer Awareness Month. Hey, so, yes, hey, go. yeah, <laughs> please, please do. <laughs> um, could could you explain that a little bit and um. It's kind of. I need a knowledge on it because I uh, I don't know much about um, childhood cancer awareness. Well, sure. I mean, in a nutshell, that's the one month. I mean, I think it should be every day of the year, frankly. But it's the one month of the year. September is it's Childhood Cancer Awareness Month, and it's the one month where you just where a lot of people seek to kind of shine a light on the fact that childhood cancer isn't rare, the fact that children get cancer too, the fact that out of the national budget budgeted for, you know, cancer research, that only 38 to 4% of funding goes towards children's cancer. The fact, you know, there's so many facts I could throw out there, but basically it in a nutshell, it just says, hey, kids get cancer, too, and there's stuff, and there's so much more we can do. And if you're not aware of it, if you're not even, you know, because, to be honest, before my daughter had cancer, it was a world I knew nothing about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cancer was a thing, and I get it, and cancer happened. 
and you see these cute little bald kids on St. Jude commercials, and that's all you ever saw. Yeah. But, <laughs> but um, when more people are aware, or if there, there's certain foundations that, you know, I could basically that do, you know, research and that help find cures. But the fact that the matter still stands is right now the, like, chemotherapy protocols and stuff are decades old. There hasn't been a new protocol for childhood cancer in, like, 30 years or something insane. And it's one of those things that the only way things change is when we talk about them and learn and kind of educate ourselves and educate other people. And that's the whole idea of awareness in general. It can be for childhood cancer, suicide prevention awareness, all these things. But it's one of those things I can't expect you to help me do anything about it if you know nothing about it. So I try. But this this month and last year, this same time frame, when you've lost a kid as a result of a childhood cancer battle, it's increasingly difficult not to want to fight because I want to fight so no other, no other parent has to walk these this road, you know, so no one else has to say, you know, my child dies. But it's still really hard because of the story we did walk through, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I haven't been as actively as active in the whole awareness, you know, campaigns and all mm-hmm. this as, as I could be, but that goes back to something you mentioned earlier, and that self-care and self-preservation essentially is my heart is broken. My heart is shattered sometimes, I think, sometimes beyond repair. It's not, but that's where I am some days. And to be able to just look at all this and say, let's fight for the kids, yes, I can say that. But then to kind of dig deeper and go on all these tangents about how, you know, it breaks my heart. So sometimes I just have to not put up walls, but put up, put up timeouts. Yes. <laughs> Say, hey, look, I can't deal with this right now. Yeah. Which, it that's understandable. I mean, it's, there's times that you just got to take a break from it and step back and regroup somehow, um, re-energize. So along with that, we also wanted to bring up suicide prevention I believe it's, is it, it's Suicide Prevention Month. Um, it is a Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month. Um, this particular week is National Suicide Prevention Week mm-hmm. as well. September 10th was Worldwide Suicide Prevention Day. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it's just one of those things. That it's also a very big month for awareness. There's a lot of causes yeah. every month you can look up, but... These two are near and dear or not so dear to my heart. Um, And, yeah, I think the whole idea of the stigmas that surround suicide and talking about suicide, mental health, mental illness in general, again, there's nothing, nothing's going to change until we step out of the silence and talk about it, you know. Um, Suicide, unfortunately, is a growing epidemic. Um, and people know it. Ha- know that people know it happens. That's what I'm trying to, yeah. <laughs> trying to say. I mean, turn on the news and what celebrities done this now. But sometimes what you don't see is the hundreds upon hundreds of people who die worldwide. I think it's. A staggering statistic, it's something like every 20 or 40 seconds, someone dies by suicide worldwide. And I think in the United States, something like one every, one every 12 minutes dies in their own hand. And it's one of those things that it's something, it's the one thing that you can say is, you know, 100% you know treatable or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and it is, and it's not. I mean, it is, actually. I mean, if you know there's a lot of things you can do to help someone not, yeah. you know, go down that road. But it's one of those things that we need to educate ourselves on. Sometimes it's just the warning signs, you know, do you see people withdrawing? Do you see people depressed? X, Y, or Z. Basically, it's not being afraid to talk about it. It's not being afraid to allow people to hurt. 
mm-hmm. but taking it a step further and encouraging them to also get help. Like, for instance, I wrote a blog post about um, this month being suicide prevention, you know, awareness as well as childhood cancer. And I've had some pretty big responses to it, but when I got a message that said, hey, thank you for saying what you said about this and for helping me feel not alone because I've been feeling, you know, suicidal. I've been feeling worthless. I've been feeling like giving up. And my response to them in return was, you know, I'm here for you. Let's talk about it. But taking that one step further is encouraging them to seek professional help as well, whether that's in the form of a counselor, a pastor, anybody that's they can trust is one of those things because I've known people who have died by suicide and frankly it sucks and again it goes back to hearing someone and whatever pain they may be in you don't have to try and fix it Mm -hmm. it's just being present and saying I hear you you're not alone you're not worthless you're a human being you have a story to tell, you know, and it's just assuring people that it's okay. Again, it's okay to not be okay, but just somehow to not live in that place forever. It seems like what you brought up before um, and what you just brought up now, that the biggest thing that you, that you're basically calling people to do is just be present in, because there's people are crying out it's they are it's just us slowing down for a second and really listening you know you can hear whatever you want but it's it's really just sitting down and actually listening to what's going on hearing those numbers he said that every 12 minutes someone in the united states dies from suicide just that break it breaks my heart <laughs> you, you to know that some you know, it's even though people are like well it's just one person you know that's still a still a human being that had you know they have promise and they have worth and yeah in the the i mean the fact that mental health may get slashed and i think this is where the church i i believe is is slowly getting there I, th- I, th- I believe they're, they've been afraid to talk about it. And I'm blessed to, to have a, a church family that uh, a boss, uh, two bosses, that they are, they're big advocates in the mental health. They'll talk about it, and I'm grateful for that. And, you know, one of them told me, like, go, you need to go to counseling. Go to counseling. It's the best thing you'll ever do for yourself. Even if you don't think there's a problem, just go because it's it's worth it. But I think I think that's where the church struggles at is is because people come in. The church is supposed to be a place for the sick. It's supposed to be a place for the broken. It's supposed to be a place where people can find hope. And I know there's people that come into our church each and every day, and they struggle with anxiety, depression, OCD. Other I mean, we, bipolar, Tourette's, uh, all these different things that go on and on, and but it's it's being willing to open, you know, sit down and have a conversation with them and take off our own mask and be open and honest with them. See, there's that. There's the inability sometimes, our unwillingness, like you said, to talk about it. But there's a different train of thought in some places and with some churches that's equally but more damaging. And that's the idea that the whole idea that and I don't, I gotta try not to, I'm trying to tiptoe around this idea that prayer solves everything. It does. But to tell me um, that if I just prayed more or if I I recently, because I was talking about a mental health, a mental illness, a diagnosis. You, you mentioned bipolar. I was talking about um, bipolar diagnosis, and I said, you know, 
So this chemical imbalance in my brain, what you're going to tell me now is the demons would go away if I just prayed. So now when I don't pray hard enough, now it puts it all on me and I see, you know, and this is not just me saying this, but it's just the idea of it's damaging in the way that, that says, you know, pray and God will heal you. Well, sometimes God heals you by people counseling medicine things. Mm-hmm. And so I think you just mentioned the whole idea of church. Where the church gets it right is when they talk about it, yes. Mm-hmm. Or when they talk about it, but if they don't know what to say, point you to the professionals who do. Yes. You know, and that's mm-hmm. a big deal. It's not being afraid mm-hmm. to talk about it, but then not just saying, there's got to be something wrong with you because this is going on. Or, you know, the age-old idea that, you know, pray it away, whatever it is, you know, and it's one of those things that, I mean, I just kind of, I literally, I mean, you can't see me right now, I'm shaking my head because it's one of those things. Someone kind of said that to me one day, that, you know, prayer is the answer to it, that any of the problems we face, can be solved with prayer. And I'm like, you know, do you think I didn't pray enough and thousands of people who prayed for my daughter to live weren't just praying hard enough? So I think it's just the concept that we all kind of get wrong. Or not we, but, excuse me, in general, a lot of places hold this theology and it's crap. Sorry. (laughs) No, no, that's totally fine. I believe that's crap. I'm, I'm a big advocate. If you have to... If you have to get medicine in order to live a positive, fulfilling life, then then do that. There's prof- they're professionals for a reason. <laughs> um, I I'm not the biggest fan of, of biblical counseling um, because that's what I tend to hear is that people say, "Well, you need to pray," and through prayer, yes, prayer is good. Prayer, you know, it's. Like you said before, it's our connection with God and be able to communicate. God is someone who can he he he'll listen to it. We can you can swear and you know flip on the bird and everything like that and tell him you're gone. And then some way some, for some reason he opens he opens his arms back for us whenever we come back. But to have someone say that you need to pray more to fix a mental illness or like you said you you. You prayed, and you probably had people pray for you constantly, all the time, for your daughter. And they're going to say that, well, you didn't pray hard enough? Your prayer wasn't good enough? Like, that is such... Or something that a four-year-old taught. What in God's green earth could my four-year-old have done to deserve cancer? You know, it's, yes. it's just a mindset. It's just a teaching. I mean, I was born and raised in Georgia, but, you know... Bible Belt, they have a lot of wacky thoughts mm-hmm. <laughs> in some places, and it does so much more damage than good, and I didn't know that until taking this step back and kind of owning my own faith and mm-hmm. saying, oh, good Lord, this is not even biblical, you know, and being able to say, I don't get it, I don't have all the answers, and maybe that's okay, you yeah. know? Yeah, cause that's that's the type of God I don't believe in, and if, if that's, <laughs> I'm sorry, if that's how God is... If if God for some reason is, is like, well, you didn't pray, you know, thirty minutes today. You only prayed twenty nine, so you're not going to be blessed. <laughs> like, I'm so I I don't want any part of that. Um, right. I, I I guess a, a question is is have you struggled with um, with suicidal thoughts? I know that's a real personal question, but has has that been something that's come across your mind? Um, after going through something like this? <laughs> it is something that I never really um, entertained previously. I mean, I've had mental health, mental illness, you know, struggles prior to my daughter's fight with cancer and then passing away. Um, but then when my, I don't know if this has come up yet, but my brother passed away in April. Yes, you told me about um, this. And I thought so. And a lot of things, it's kind of like I said before, it all kind of compounds on top of each other. Mm -hmm. And yes, I have had um, suicidal thoughts. And (laughs) 
that's why I just, again, shaking my head, because it's one of those things I never thought, oh, I'm a good Christian. I'd never get to that point. It's not a matter of being, it's not even a matter of faith. It's a matter of pain being so intensely blinding that you see nothing other than pain. You don't, you get to a point, and though I've not been actively suicidal in the way that I have a plan and I'm going to go do anything, yeah. it's just the function of I have wanted to just not be. <laughs> and for me, it was recognizing that. And I did. I have reached out. And I did talk, you know, and with my counselor and also with different people because it was one of those things that I knew that I needed help, and I knew that help was there or available because I have been surrounded by the mental health community for a long time. But Mm -hmm. it's one of those things that it goes back to pain being blinding. And in those moments, you see, I mean, hope is a thing that you wonder if even existed. You know, has it ever been true? Mm -hmm. Did I ever have, you know, people would tell me, you know, kind of go back to that, you know, a happier time and to be honest with you my life has been not full of happy you know mm-hmm. and so it's one of those things even still I struggle with the idea of hope because hope sometimes seems like I, I often tell it or tell the story where it seems like hope is on this extended vacation mm-hmm. I know it's real but it's nowhere near me <laughs> Yeah. So, I don't know. As an answer to your question, yes, I have dealt with those thoughts. I, I deal with them regularly, unfortunately. But it's, I don't think it's dealing with them. It's, um, it's what we do when the thoughts come that, you know, that makes a difference. It's not being isolated, not being alone, and not being afraid to talk about it. That's probably been the quite literal life-saving mm-hmm. thing in my own life. Once your daughter passed... Yeah. Um, and we kind of got into it a little bit. It was how have your mm-hmm. your life changed? Um, but I'd like to know how your your family life has changed as well. Huh. Hmm. I certainly don't mind the question, but I sometimes struggle for an idea of how to answer it because I do have. Well, I'm married and I have two boys. Mm-hmm. And my two boys, watching them both grieve the loss of their sister has been heartbreaking in ways I can't even put into words. But as a result of her death and just the I've just seen so much, and they both grieve different ways at different times, as all human beings do and should. But it's one of those seeing the empathy and compassion that has grown in them, through them, and within our family dynamic and outside our family has just been incredible to see. I mean, my kids love people, and they love people well. Um, They don't always get it right, because... Who does? <laughs> but <laughs> it's one of those things that something of this magnitude changes everything. There's no going back to normal. Mm-hmm. It's they always people always say it's a new normal. Well, it's everything but normal now. Yeah. But being able to hold on to each other because the one thing I told the one thing I told my daughter amongst several other things was. You know, when I had to tell her, when we knew it was really close to the end, and I had to say, you know, it's okay to let go. It's okay if it's your time, you know, to go. I said, we're going to be okay. And what I told her was, we're going to be okay. I said, no, we're going to be sad, but we'll be okay because we'll have each other. And... It's true that we have each other, and this is not something that anyone in my family walks through alone, but (laughs) it's just one of those things that the dynamic of everything has 
changed, and it should. I mean, there's no, like I said, there's no going back to where we were before. There's no going back to being naive, innocent, or otherwise when it comes to what childhood cancer or any of these things can do. But how has our family changed? It has and it hasn't all in one. You know, we're still the same people, but we, I think what we learned, or one of the biggest lessons I've learned, and I know my boys have talked about, is kind of learning not to sweat the small stuff and how the small stuff is the big stuff sometimes. You know, just Mm -hmm. sometimes a simple smile can change, you know, the outlook of someone's day, you know. Um, learning to be present and intentional. We're going back to this again, see, it must be a big deal. (laughs) Being present and intentional with our time, it's just a big Mm. deal. It's being intentional. It's being there for each other. And that's what I told my daughter. I said, you know, we're going to miss you like there's no tomorrow. I said, we're going, you know, we're going to be okay, but it's, because we're not doing this alone. And I think that speaks volumes of, yes, us as a family, sure, but more the human condition. You cannot do life alone. You can't. And I always like to do one one thing at the end um, because oh it's, it's, it's nothing scary or anything like that. It's not like the icebreaker or anything. <laughs> but it's pretty much... Um, nothing you can do to scare me at this point, my friend. <laughs> Go ahead. If, <laughs> if you are... If you were to give, say, one final thing, if you could say whatever you want, whatever it is, um, what would you what would you say to the masses? Hmm. I would say to learn to love people, but to be loved. I would remind. There's a lot of things I would do, but if I had to say one thing, that would probably be along the lines of love and be loved. Um, Get to know other people, but also be known. Know that you matter, and it goes back to, and just know that you're loved. And I think that's the, the biggest thing I could tell anyone, is just that they matter, and that they're loved, and they're priceless. So there you go. I struggle with this some days too. That I just don't don't feel like they're that people care or I'm worth whatever I'm doing or whatever it is. So I know there's other people as well that need to hear that. Um, that's that's awesome. So I said I don't want to take up too much more of your time, um, but I I do thank you a lot for for coming on to the podcast and talking and I'm not easy questions to, to discuss and I, I'm very grateful that you're open to answering these questions tackling the they're, they're tough and being vulnerable I, I'm very grateful for you for for doing this so like I said before there I know there's someone that that's out there that that needs to hear your story, and the words do you have to say. Well, I think that's kind of what drives me and what helps me be willing to be, you know, like you said, vulnerable, transparent, whatever. It's a, fu- it's a function of having, again, going back to the idea that there's purpose in the pain. If I, if I knew, I don't know how to... <laughs> I don't know how to say exactly what I'm saying, but it's an honor to share our story, um, my daughter's story, our story, my faith journey, even my mental health, wellness, whatever journey, Um, because it's that one step I said is just talking about it. It's being able to talk about about it that, that brings healing in the one way it says, it erases stigmas that say it's it's not okay to talk about this. You can't you can't talk about certain things, but you can. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so being able to hopefully, like you said, will will help someone else realize that it's okay. Again, to not be okay, it's okay to you know to need help. It's okay to talk about these things. So it's it's an honor on that 
regard. Well, again, thank you very much. That those are being open, transparent, vulnerable to, and somehow, some way, that equals healing. Just talking about pain and struggles, it amazes me. But it, your your story is proving that. So again, thank you, Laura, for for coming out. I, I, I truly do appreciate it. I'm grateful that you took the time to sit, listen, hear, ask the hard questions. It's it's not easy to talk about them, but it's also not easy to ask them and to hear. Um, so I do appreciate your time in that because, that, again, if we can just do more of this, not just us, but if people can do more of this, that's where change happens. That's where life change happens. That's where hope happens. <laughs> thank you guys for listening laura's facebook page twitter account and her blog will be in the show notes for you guys to check out so please do that also thank you guys for the love and support on the last episode um, the feedback was awesome and if you guys do enjoy the the podcast please leave a review on apple itunes uh, podcasts because the more reviews that you get uh, the better chance that uh, the podcast will be seen by other people and recommended to other people and stuff like that. So that'd be super awesome. Plus, I'll read them on here, um, good or bad, because construction criticism is okay. Uh, so thank you guys for listening. Um, you can find all my stuff at nickmaremedia.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at nickmaremedia. Um, and if you find me on Facebook, it's just me. So thank you guys for listening. See you guys next time. Peace.